from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley. I'm coming to you from my remote studios in my basement here in Alexandria, Virginia. I think most of you are aware that most of the nation is in a stay-at-home mode right now, and here in the DMV area, the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia, uh, we've been ordered to stay at home. National headquarters is still operating, but we're doing so remotely, and we have determined that we're going to keep on with our podcasting, and I'm so grateful for our team that's with me today, though remotely. So somewhere over to the west of me is our Warcry editorial director, Mr. Jeff McDonald. Greetings. I've never washed my hands so much in my life. (laughs) It's about time. We've right. been telling you over and over, wash your hands. <laughs> About time, yes. You're finally getting the message. And also joining me today is our wonderful producer, Elizabeth. And I think, Elizabeth, we determined that you were like northwest of me or something at this, this point. Maps are not my jam, but that sounds right. I'm going to say hello and howdy, and I've never used my dining room table so much in my life. <laughs> are you keeping it clean? You know, are you keeping it clean? I I think I'm keeping it clean. I got the little scrub-a-dub-dub action going on here and then. But you got everything out, and that's that's your new studio. You're right there. This is my new studio. That's great. Well, we're grateful to you, Elizabeth. Thank you for uh, making all of this happen. This is a very special episode. I say that about every episode because every episode of the Fight for Good podcast is special. And today, we're going to be sharing an interview that both Jeff and Elizabeth you did together uh, with um, uh, Ron Deal. Now, Ron is a best-selling author, licensed marriage and family therapist, and he is a podcaster as well. So in this interview, you guys talked with him about uh, a book that he wrote called Building Love Together in Blended Families. He he, he wrote, he co-wrote wrote it with somebody that we just did a podcast about Dr. Uh, Gary Chapman. Tell me a little bit about how that interview went. Well, Elizabeth, that was such a dynamic interview we had with him. I learned so much. You know, we have these iconic um, images of when we hear, hear the phrase blended family, we think of the Brady Bunch or other, you know, culturally relevant um, contexts for that. Um, but there's so much to it, um, especially Ron Deal letting us know that the church needs to be sensitive to blended families, their experiences, they are uh, prevalent in our society and they are struggling for their own identity and working out their own problems. And don't you think he shared with us insights, not only for blended families, but that all of us can benefit from? Yeah, no, he provides just such practical advice um, for just being part of any family and communication and all that really good stuff. Mm. Yeah. And he's, it's interesting to learn. He'll, he'll talk about it in the podcast. He talks about how he came to this field that he didn't really intend to, but it, he just saw the need for counseling for blended families. And, um, it just, it, it changed the course of his career and it's been a very rewarding one. And as a Christian, he, um, advocates of course, for a Christ centered, um, a, approach 
but he, as you said, he uses psychological techniques and uh, therapy and insights that are really quite revealing. Well, we hope that you will enjoy listening to Jeff and Elizabeth's interview with Ron Deal. So, Mr. Deal, the depictions of blended families we see in media, on TV shows, etc., um, are tend to be rather uh, one-dimensional. They don't go into nearly the detail about the extent of uh, the nature of blended families and the uh, challenges they face. Um, could you give us some idea of the scope of the reality of blended families in our society? Yeah, the realities um, seem a little distant. Uh, most of the movies, well, they tend to go one way or the other. You know, I mean, you got the Brady Bunch that basically lied to all of us and said that blended families are no different than any other type of first family. But then you have some movies that have come out in the last few years that um, portray lots of conflict and difficulty and, you know, everything's awful. And it's not that way. I mean, the truth is somewhere in between those two things. The, the point we make in our ministry at Family Life is um, that there are uniquenesses and challenges to step family dynamics that can ultimately put pressure on the couple's relationship and pull them apart. There's a good reason why the divorce rate is a little higher in blended families than it is in first families, and it has to do with these unique relationship dynamics that people are trying to navigate. If you get smart, as I like to say, get smart about step-family living and understand what you can do about it and what you can't do about it, then you have a much easier time navigating that journey as a family unit. The whole point of coming together is to become a family. It's not enough to become a couple. You have to become a family. And those are two different processes. But when you understand how to get there, then you do better as a, as a family and your family stronger. Just one last point about that, and I think this is really important to make. Yes, there are some challenges. Yes, there are some uh, – anytime a child goes through a, a parental divorce or the death of a parent, obviously, that leaves a little residue on their heart of some sort or another. But what we know from research is that a strong, stable, healthy step family – in other words, if this is what the child is experiencing, a stable, healthy step family – begins to negate the detrimental effect of what brought him into the step family. That is good news. That is optimistic news. But the mitigating factor here is a healthy step family home. And if you can't get to healthy, then you create more turmoil in the life of that child. Where we want to undo that. We want to we want to change the trajectory of the life's child. And healthy blended families is one way to get there. What you're saying sounds to me like a lot of hard work. I do appreciate in your uh, writing, in your research, the practical suggestions you make for blended families to tackle the challenges ahead of them. What common dilemmas do these uh, families face? Well, let me just give you an example of something. Um, There's an old phrase, the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Now, that actually captures some important truths about family relationships, that husband-wife, parent-father-mother relationships really set the tone for everything else in the home. When mom and dad love each other, 
they become the foundation for parenting. Kids feel secure and safe in their home because mom and dad are together and they're, they're the backbone. We're okay because they're together. And we know financially families do better when mom and dad are in love and you know, have a healthy marriage relationship, all kinds of things, all kinds of positive outcomes result. Well, is it true to say the best thing a stepfather could do for his stepchildren is to love their mother? You see, on day one, that actually creates a little competition. In a, in a biological family, when dad spends time with a child, mom is happy. <laughs> She's thrilled her husband's investing in their kids. The other side of the triangle is also true. If dad and mom spend time together, the kids are happy. Mom and dad are happy. Our life is good. In a step family, on day one, there's a competition between those two different sides of that triangle. When, when the step parent spends time with the parent, kids go, wait a minute, wait a minute, we were here first. Hold on a minute. Um, you know, we've lost our dad or mom or their marriage, our first family. Now it feels like we're losing mom again to the new stepfather. And so there's a bit of a competition, a bit of a natural jealousy that results. And so now people are competing for love. And when that happens, um, everything changes. Like the rules are different, the gloves are off. We have to now figure out how to walk this delicate, fragile space so that we don't alienate inadvertently relationships between parents and children or between step-parents and step-kids. But this also changes the parenting dynamic. In a biological family, when mom and dad love each other, they can lead from a position of unity. And children get it. Okay, you're my dad. You're my mom. I understand. You have authority. That's it. In a step-family, a step-parent who's new on the scene, who doesn't really have a defined role, the kids look at you like, yeah, I like you, but that doesn't mean I respect uh-huh. you as a parent. Then, so it, it changes parenting. Like, how does that person get the socks picked up? How do you how do you navigate uh, cleaning the kitchen and getting chores done when the kids look at you and say, you're not my mom. I don't have to do what you say. Like, uh, what do you do with that? So now marriage is different. Parenting is different. We have this natural competition between relationships. People who navigate that terrain and manage it pretty well over time become really healthy families. People who get stuck do not become blended families. They just stay separate families trying to blend. So we help people understand what's unique and different about that and what they can do about it. Let me ask you this then, Ron. From what I understand, developing love, an atmosphere of love in blended families is difficult where trust is lacking. What steps can blended families take to build trust? Um, Let's do a little thought experiment here. If if I asked you to... uh if I told you you had a new neighbor that just moved in down the street. Now, right now, we're all kind of locked in our homes with coronavirus, and so it's a different world. But imagine once this is lifted and we can kind of go back to regular life, you get a new neighbor, and I ask you to go make friends with them, you know, get to know them a little bit and welcome them to the neighborhood. Well, what you would not do, Jeff, what my guess was you would not go down, bang on their door, break their door down, walk into their living room, start eating their food in the kitchen, declare yourself your, their new best friend, 
and totally, you know, no, you're going to jail. Somebody's calling the cops. This is not how you make a friend. But there's an interesting little dynamic that happens in blended families. When you have a very eager parent and step-parent who desperately want the step-parent to make a relationship with the stepchildren, they'll do things like that. They'll go break down the door of the, of the kid's heart. They'll say, I'm not your dad, but why don't you call me dad anyway? Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you don't have the right to do that. You're breaking into the inner part of my life, and you're stepping on people I love. You can't do that and expect me to like you, to trust you, to honor you. Okay. Well, if you're going to make a friend, how would you make a friend with your new neighbor? Well, you'd go down there and you'd knock on the door and you'd wait. You'd wait till they answer. And what if they talk through the door? They don't even open it. Well, then you've got to talk through the door, right? And ultimately, you hope they come to go, okay, I guess this guy's safe enough. I'm going to crack the door open just a little bit. And you see one little eyeball in the crack of the door. That's all you got, right? Well, can you force your way in? Can you declare that you guys are best friends and ask for their cell phone number? And No, you can't. You've got to wait. you got to see. Now I have to let the person on the inside decide when they're going to let me in and what pace they're going to let me in. And I have to meet them where they are. That is exactly what a good step parent does. They're wise enough to stand on the doorstep to knock, to be gentle, to be patient, to find something they have in common with the child, and to start growing a relationship. That's how you grow a family. It's little things like that that become very important. So this book that I wrote with Gary Chapman, I'll give you another example, um, Building Love Together in Blended Families, is based on, in part, Gary's five love languages, but then it's also merging the concepts that I've been teaching for the last 25 years related to blended families. Think about this for a minute. You may know a child's, a stepchild's love language. What if it's quality time? And you think, okay, I, that's what this kid needs is quality time. That will show them that I care for them and uh, authentically love them. And so you try to go about setting up some quality time. But here's the deal. If the child on the inside of the house is going, I don't want quality time with you. I'm not comfortable enough for that. Uh, that's too much, too close, too intense. Well, then you can't love them with their primary love language. The biological parent can, but a step-parent can't. Not on day one. Not even on day 10 or day 100 or day 1,000. Like, you have to wait until the child is open to you with that. What if their love language is physical touch? Can you just go up to a stranger and start hugging them and kissing them on the cheek? That's weird. You, you know, that's not happening, Right? You can't, you can't yeah. force your way into that person's heart, into their physical space. Same thing's true when you're trying to bond and connect and build relationship with a stepchild. This also applies to grandparents, a step-grandchild. You've just been introduced to your 10-year-old new step-grandchild. How do you go about doing this? Well, you don't just hug them and kiss all over them. It, that's not where they're comfortable. So you start gently and you begin to move gradually into their heart. Now, last thought, this can take years. Now, often it doesn't take many years. It depends on the age of the child. Young kids, it can only, you know, you can, you can move quickly into their heart in a few months. But typical elementary age and teenage kids, this is a long journey for step-parents. And you need to accept and embrace that. Otherwise, you make enemies instead of friends. When we think of uh, 
blended families uh, going to social functions or in church, uh, they must uh, buck against the uh, stereotypical ideas we have of what a family should be. Um, they certainly um, might feel uh, less than uh, up to standards or they might feel they lack a certain identity that fits into the culture. What steps can blended families take to celebrate and to be proud of their distinct identity? There's this guy who his uh, fiance told him one day that she was pregnant and he was really upset and because he realized two things immediately. Uh, she betrayed me. I, and this is not my kid. We have not had sex. This is not my child. And so he's like, ah, oh, okay, I'm out, I'm done. I'm, this is not my child, and you betrayed me, I'm, I'm gone, I'm walking. And then um, the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, Joseph, uh, we need you over here. There's a much bigger picture going on. And all of a sudden, Joseph becomes the stepdad to the Messiah. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but that's exactly what happened. We don't ever talk about it or teach it, but Jesus grew up in a blended family. And most of the characters in the Bible were part of blended families. This is nothing new. God's people have always been part of complex family environments. And he has always worked in them and through them. And in spite of whatever mistakes they may have made along the way, he, he has continued to be their God and their Savior. And that's what he's doing today. We can look at each other once in a while and go, you know what? You stepped into my life as a step-parent, just like Joseph did, and took on responsibilities that were not his and obligations that were not his, and he made sacrifices for people mm -hmm. that he chose to love. I think that's honorable and admirable. You know, we're celebrating foster parents all over the country these days, the parents who adopt children. I think we ought to celebrate step-parents. <laughs> I think we ought to celebrate the unions of people who get a second take on life. Maybe their first family was really difficult and hard, and God has given them another chance at doing life well. We need to help and support and encourage and, by all means, celebrate these people who are walking with God and being life in the world and showing what redemption looks like. Mm -hmm. That's A lot of blended families are redemptive families. And yet, sometimes they started through choices that were less than honorable or even sinful. Sometimes that's the case, not all the time. But when that was the case, did God step in and change the narrative? Absolutely. Reminds me of this woman at the well who met Jesus one day. They had a really great conversation about living water. But one of the things that Jesus had to help her remember so she mm -hmm. would realize what her thirst was really about was that she's been thirsty for a long time looking for love, and she hadn't found it. She'd been through a whole series of relationships, probably married and divorced multiple times, and now just living with a guy she'd given up on love and marriage. But Jesus says, that's not a problem. Drink this water, and the next thing you know, she's off telling her story to people in town. Oh, they already knew the story. They'd been talking about her, I guarantee it. But now she's telling mm -hmm. the story with a different purpose. I met this guy who told me everything I ever did. You've got to come meet him because he's got living water for people like us. 
right? And the next thing you know, John goes out of his way to tell us that many people came to believe in Christ because of her. Some of the greatest people in the kingdom are people who have had difficult lives and God has redeemed them and now they're using that story to bring others to him. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff, you know, it's really an important message because I've run across a lot of people in single-parent homes, blended family homes, uh, in particular if divorce is a part of their story, who kind of feel second class at church. They, they, They feel as if they've somehow missed the boat and they're just barely hanging on to salvation. You know, that is not God's story. Uh, I love to say there's no such thing as a second-class Christian because there's no such thing as a first-class Christian, right? There's just people who need a cross. We're all in the same boat. Broken is a word that applies to everybody. Uh, So don't let those or things of your past keep you from going to the well and meeting the Savior and drinking the water. He's more than happy to welcome you. What do you think our listeners can learn from Ron? Well, so much. Um, just the the awareness that he calls people to have in their interpersonal relationships, I think, applies not only to the, to people within blended families and how they can negotiate with their children, with their spouse, so that they develop a unified approach to family life, one that is supportive. Um, And I think we can all learn from what he shares about how to to increase our awareness of our impact on others and um, how we can work over time to bring about um, positive change in in our interactions. How can our readers connect with Ron? His website, www.rondeal.org, is an outlet. He has, uh, for many of his publications, his uh, podcast, um, he is the director of Blended Family Ministries for Family Life. That website is www.familylifeblended.com. He's the author of Smart Step Family, The Smart Step Dad, and Dating with the Single and the Single Parent, as well as his new book, Building Love Together in Blended Families. So that's uh, some of his outlets. I would love to add that he actually has an event happening this April on the 25th called Blended and Blessed. And I believe that's now an all virtual event. And if you just go to his website, you can learn more about that and how to register. Well, again, we want to thank you for listening to this particular episode of the Fight for Good podcast with Ron Deal. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow the War Cry and Peer Magazine on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. We truly hope that this information is helpful to you and your families. Please keep safe. Listen to your local authorities during this time of stay at home. And we, our prayers are with and for you in these days. Be encouraged and find continued hope in the love that God has shared with all of us through Jesus Christ, his son. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Please be safe. Until next time, we say bye for now. 
subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.